Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Welcome, everybody, back to the J3U Podcast. I am your host, John Jewett, and with me is Luke Miller, co-host. How's it going, Luke? Good, man. Ready to rock today. Fun topic. Right on. It's... It's just us today, no, no guests, and I am, well, when you're listening to this, I'll, I'll probably be three or four days out from the Indy Pro, um, which has, has been a very exciting prep, and with that on mind, I wanted to discuss conversations of Peak Week and, and what goes into it. Um, I've put up some questions that on, on IG of, of what people wanted to hear, which is a lot of the usual stuff, like how do you manipulate water, sodium, electrolytes, uh, you know, these, all, all the supplements or diuretics and everything. So there's a, a lot to be discussed. There's a lot to not be discussed as well. Um, and, and kind of what I mean by that is Peak Week has been filled with leprechauns, unicorns, and pots of gold. And it's been, you know, stouted as being like the, the week that's going to save you when you're not ready or it's going to transform your physique. And uh, I've seen a lot of protocols just kind of marketed and, and sold as, as like hyped as being a different coaching experience and draw people in that way. But we want to discuss kind of the realities of peak week and, and get into that conversation today and try to bring some transparency and some realism so y'all can kind of disseminate through what is actually should be happening during and before peak week and, and what should not be happening. Yeah, and I think a lot of that starts with like the prep process beforehand, right? Um, there's a lot that that can kind of tell you coming into peak week, and I think that's probably the most important thing um, when it comes to, to running a peak week at like the best way because there are a lot of variables to manage, right? You've got like fatigue, water, sodium, food, et cetera. You can, you can go down that rabbit hole all day. Um, but if you haven't been doing that throughout the entire prep process, you aren't going to be coming into peak week informationally with the the data and the things that you need in order to make the decision making during peak week be um, as minimal as possible. And I think that having the mindset of to make it as minimal as possible is probably not one that's overly uh, perpetuated within our industry a lot, but I think it needs to be because the best looks typically come with out these uh, fire in the hole methods, right? Like these things that are so far away from what may have made you look your best during your peak week process, right? Like how many times have you heard people like, man, I wish I could have walked on stage the way I looked 10 days out or 14 days out or, or things like that, right? And if, if you see that kind of look during the prep process that probably should clue you into the fact that you're doing something right during that. And you need to understand the variables that have gone into that look 10, 14 days out rather than trying to recreate it through some magic protocol. Yeah. It's, or, or even it's like the day after the show, right? Um, you look phenomenal. I, I have, I've had a few of those moments. A lot of times it's, uh, has even been between like pre-judging and finals where I'm like, Oh man, this is looks amazing and wow just totally missed the mark and then you try to do something else to maintain that look or or, or even hold it uh, this this happened to me at the the 2018 dallas europa 
it, it was a pretty good showing. Like I, I, I looked pretty good in prejudging, um, but it's a two day show. And so you have to like, well, you're going to rehydrate, add more fluids in. Um, I had plenty of food, but from after prejudging, we were going to go do this like barbell club event for animal. And so I just kept drinking water. I remember I was having 16 ounces of water between meals and I, my body weight came up to like 217 when I was around 212 on stage. And I, I trained just like a upper body kind of like push session and looked just mind blowing full hard. Like it was like, like, Oh my gosh, I'm about to rip out of my skin. Let kind of look, I'm like, what did I do? And you think back through all the variables, like how do you recreate this? Uh, and, uh, honestly it's like, well, you cut water, you moron. And then what'd you do? Oh, you added water back in the basic of what, how you store like carbohydrates and get fullness. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah, it, it, it happens even at the highest level pros, like we're, we're doing crazy stuff that just doesn't, you, you can't control it. It's, it's so hard. Even then, like you eat a meal and people act like they have it dialed down to like this, the science and it's not, it's like, cause you eat a meal and that meal is going to be digesting for the next five to seven hours, typically depending on what it is, could be less. Right. Um, and are you able to predict what's going to happen in that time period? You probably have another meal that's overlapping in that period, but the other people like eat this meal and like 90 minutes later, you're going to send me pics and like, okay, that's how it looks. We're going to change this now. And it's like, man, you can't control it that well. And even the alterations that are happening in aldosterone and diuretic hormone, um, they're rather rapid. And so some of the stuff just uh, is not, not that controllable, but before, yeah, I think setting the stage, it really comes to going into peak week, um, where, where your look is at. And so what peak week is not is what we always is already discussed. It's not the time where we are going to take someone that ha still has body fat on them and get the fat off. It, it's just you you're only have so many days left in that process. So the idea of going into peak week is you need to be skinned lean. You need to be truly stage lean. And um, what does that look like? Well, it it should be like, uh, I remember, and I think it was a podcast, Shelby Starn said, like, pinch the back of your hand. He's like, your whole body should feel like that. And, you know, your back of your hand is about a three to four millimeter skin fold. Three to yep. four millimeter skin fold around your whole body is skinned out lean. Like, I'm very lean right now, and I don't even have that. Um, like, my glutes will get down to like a five millimeter, and that's when I have, like, lines from my ass crack out. Um, my, my sub scap is like always like an eight, I guess I'm just a thick skin back guy, <laughs> but that's about the leanest I've ever got my, like my fattiest skin fold sites front shots. Yeah. Like they could be like three to five. Um, but that, that I, I like using calipers just to gauge how, where I'm at in some spots. Um, but object, you know, of course we're just going to visually look at pictures as well, but um, you, you should basically look like you could walk on stage and have that look. And I think where the mistake is made is when you look at someone and you, I've heard it and it's been told to me like, Oh, that's, that's just water. Don't worry that last week you'll pull that. I think that's the, the assumption and the, the thing that's given out to people just to make everyone feel, feel better or, um, and, and that's going to take you down like a path of not pushing and to get that rest of that body fat off. I think there's also some like psychological 
limits to people as far as like they're seeing their body weight hit lows that they they didn't expect to be hitting and they hold back for that part of the reason like oh, i don't want to get small on stage yeah but it's really time just like to keep pushing that fat loss and if and honestly like i would still like have i tell you even if it's their first show like have a few shows picked out for one if you're lean you should maybe do a second show but also if you need more time take more time that extra week or two can make a huge difference again that last bit of fat off and then you can really present the look that you want it's okay to have more of an open-ended prep i think yeah for sure and i think that i think that from a psychological standpoint will release some stress for people for like in case shit does hit the ceiling fan right like i'm prepping someone who ran into like some like clinical gi issues right and it's like that's gonna set back our timeline a bit but she came into this prep saying like hey like i've got like five shows picked out like this is kind of where we're at we're a little ahead of schedule so this is this is okay that this is happening right and it's one of those things where like she's responding to managing these gi issues better than the majority of people would because she doesn't have the stress of like oh shit i'm not gonna make my show now or whatever like because she's still on track to make it to one of those four to five shows she has picked out right and so yeah. from a response side like that's an important thing as a coach to like manage that stress reaction for the response but john i think one of the questions that comes up like kind of coming into peak week is like how far out are you using data in order to inform your peak week because like the the physique that's 14 15 weeks out is not going to respond the same to variables to the physique that's like obviously in that peak week stage. So one of the questions I get when it comes to gauging response to these variables, like in order to give information for peak week is like, how far out are you taking that information for the individual um, to help guide that peak week process before we actually get into that peak week process? Yeah. You, I mean, you have to, of course, be relatively close to stage leanness yeah. um, because you don't know where you're going to have to necessarily take someone to get that little extra bit off but a lot a lot of times that little extra bit will, will come as it's almost when you can you can increase food a little bit and if you have someone that's uh, metabolically adaptive um, at increasing food they tend to speed up in a sense and um, it can be a positive but you could wind up even three weeks out from a show with a diet plan that is pretty different the week of the show, but we can have some general gauges to utilize. So I think once you're within that probably four week out ish mark, um, it starts being a better, better tool for what we're looking for. And the tool is, is what we're trying to try to monitor is, is what, what type of manipulation can you really do to nail the best look on stage? And then, you know, when is that person waking up and their weight and everything at that look? And so that's why I think you can't just, uh, you know, we have had some research come out on diet breaks and refeeds, and they might not have the impact on muscle retention or slowing metabolic rate that we thought. But the studies also don't get the effect that, hey, this is, is some practice data for us for, for peak week to gauge how many carbs someone might need to get a full look if they've been flat and dieting. Yep. And by far carbohydrates is the greatest thing that we have to change the physique. Um, and, and, and probably the, the least risky And this. And I don't mention like, you know, water and sodium, like these things need to be in place, but 
what you do at, like at that three to four week out mark is when you have someone that's having a high day, that's uh, when we start monitoring on that actual day. Well, for one, what do they look like when they are flat? And that's an important tool to know. And then well, if we're giving them a high day because for whichever reason made training performance is dropping off, we need to relieve fatigue. We need to give them the psychological break to be able to keep pushing <clears throat> on that high day. We can monitor how is digestion for you this day? Like are the food sources that we're picking um, not causing bloating or gas? Um, are we seeing them move into a state of fullness and, and a harder look? And then by that next day, <clears throat> when they wake up in the morning, how has body weight changed? How has their look changed? So I usually like, I think this scale is really helpful too, um, just as, as a tool. When you're just looking at someone visually, sometimes it can be hard to see things. Sometimes you might see it, but then you'll hard, hard to disseminate it because they could go soft and the scale weight might go less or more. It's like, well, are they flat? Are they spilled or what's going on? So I think this is, it's a helpful thing. I think I, I think it was Matt Jansen that, that had kind of brought this up. But I mean, we see it as coaches, it's like, if, if the scale goes down and you look soft, that usually means you're flat. The muscle's not pushing against the skin as much. If the scale goes up and you look soft, then you probably had too much carbohydrate and spilled over some. Um, if the scale goes up and you look hard, awesome. You're probably full at the right level, and that's probably a good carbohydrate and fluid amount that you should have. And now it might not be the next day right after the high day, they look their best. Maybe they did get a little bit watery and then going back to their base plan, they meet that happy medium that two days after they wake up and like, Oh, that's the look. They look full hard. And maybe that's down a pound. Um, and so you're like, okay, that this body weight, you know, you have that note, they look their best right now. We had this many carbohydrates, then they went on their, you know, their base diet and that's when they cleaned up. So now you can have like in the back of your mind, okay, going into peak week, maybe that's carving them up on a Thursday Friday, they go on their base plan, and then they have their, their show day. Um, considerations, though, is that, hey, you're, you're one day out. It looks a whole lot different than you're three weeks out, what you're doing for that day, right? Because we typically taper a lot of things down. And yeah. so people are usually sitting around on the one day out. They're not training. You know, they're not going to probably do as much cardio. So that same car amount might be a bigger impact than it was um previously and so you that's why you you're, you're going to still have to it's a it's a template you're going off of gives you an idea but you'll still have to monitor them on those days but i think that's when we're starting to build a base around it and uh, around what carbohydrates and how that changes the look and I, I think that will be the main manipulation you should make and if you're a beginner that's what you need to learn to just learn carbohydrates and, and don't even worry about water and sodium. Keep those variables constant relatively um, to the carb amounts. But once you learn that and can nail that look, that's pretty much how you want to be walking out on stage, right? Yeah. And something to kind of note too is like with that carbohydrate influx is like maybe starting to understand the fluid intake on the day-to-day -day as well at that point. Like having them just track like a general consensus of what the water intake looks like with that carbohydrate amount. And then using that to like, like you said, gauge where you start the carb up. Because like, for example, with Emily, she's not close enough where it's like telling me exactly for peak week, but this last little refeed bumped her up. She, she responded with a drop immediately and then continued to drop. 
So like it was high food, half a pound drop, two pound drop. And so, and today was the best look of those three days. And so there's some things on the fatigue side that we, we understand probably helped, but understanding what the response looks like, like, cause she's getting to that point now where she's responding better to influxes of food, where in the past it's been like refeed, pound up, two days later, it's, it's back down again, right? And so you can start to see that change and having that track is important because if I just go off what happened at 14 weeks out when we did one, instead of this point, then it's not going to tell me what needs to happen moving forward. So um, it's, it's just good to have the data, but it's probably more applicable, like you said, in that three to four week out where the body comps fairly close to what you're going to be on stage. Yeah, that's, that's another point in itself, like you brought up is like, it, we like farther from the show and you're accumulating more fatigue you might see those bigger drops just from the watershed of, of dropping off fatigue you might not have that on peak week but you might uh i i've even personally like woken up at body weight lows on show day and you're yeah. like whoa like you know and it's just because well the day before like yes i am not moving as much but also it was such like a relaxing state to be in and I and not doing all my steps and cardio that I end up dropping off so much fatigue in that and I have a, a substantial water drop. Um, but it, you have to just gauge like is that is that look better or not? Um, yeah. And it probably be different for a lot of people. But I think ideally, we want to set up that that look of low fatigue before peak week even happens, and not having like to race into the show. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, w with it. Um. But I think even even then, like, with you, you are trying to still monitor like water and sodium. I try like, I mean, ideally, it's nice to to do what I do and be able to train when I like because I can try to emulate show day a little bit more and yeah. like train around. Hey, this is after two meals, which is typically what I would do for a show, and so I can look at like body weight after I train, the look after I train, just like if I was to pump up. Yeah. be like all right this is pretty close some people don't have that and they're like they're they're working you know eight hours a day then they have to go train in the afternoon then they're you know driving home and then they're home and everyone's yelling at them and it's like yeah, a, a lot a lot of stress and fatigue that's that's built up it's like how do you emulate that for uh peak weeks like oh you really can't you just do the best that you you can so yep for sure and i think that before and after picture is important too well, not before after that um morning post-workout picture things too like that's something i start to institute the closer we get is like more information on what does a weight change slash fluid change look like from first thing in the morning to during the day because you're not waking up and going on stage you're waking up and having mm. food and going on stage right and so we need that look to compare to the to the morning look where it's like okay there is a differential here what is that differential have you had anyone that when they wake up first thing that actually is their best look and and like adding food and water in actually makes it worse no matter like what like i have you had a client like that yeah i've, I've most of the time it's like that morning looks like slightly flat and you just give them just a bit and it's better but I've had like one or two cases where it's like you wake up, it's like, fuck, I just wish I could just put you on stage right now. That's like, uh, you know who this happened with was Ming at uh, mm. Amherst. Oh, 
he woke up. I was like, fuck, we've got like six hours till you get on stage. And it's like, you look so much. And every morning it was the same thing. It was like the six days leading into the show. It was like the morning look was better than that two meals. Cause he competed at like 10 30. And so he'd be like about two meals in. It's like two meals in was not as good as like first thing upon waking. And so my approach there is like have that person ready beforehand where that minimalist approach on show day can just be like just enough to keep them ticking. I've, I've had some people wake up like that and, and then I've, I've seen them the days prior and I kind of realized like, man, they just, they just get like this softer look. And it's like, I've had, and it's sometimes it's females just cause they don't need as much. And yeah. I think as we're like tape, as I'm tapering down, it's, they're starting to like maybe get spilled a little bit. And then overnight they end up kind of like having that water drop and they look tight again. I've had people where like they wake up and I've had them like not eat before going on stage at all um, or drink anything just that day. It's like, you look good. Just, we won't even have anything because I know where the look goes. And that's not always the case. Um, Cause sometimes like we had mentioned, like with the carb up process is that you don't quite nail it because the day prior they didn't move as much. And so they actually do spill a little bit and maybe you see that weight came up more well, you can just have them fast for a while and then do some pump up work, expend some glycogen. And a lot of times they'll, they'll tighten back up and that's what you need to do. It's not the time like, Oh my gosh, add in a diuretic because that's so hard to time. Um, a lot, a lot of times we wake up and Hey, you're a little watery. Let's like go through some posing, some pump up. Let's hold off on, on eating and fluids for right now. Then they're like, you'll see them start coming back and, and that, that could be enough to do it. Or I've had lots of girls like even the, the day, before the show, we just go back to like protein fats. Yeah. Because the carbs, um, the, the two days out was like, was plenty and they look full, you know, and if you get someone full, like you can hold like a glycogen load for, for several days after it's, it's present. Yeah. And I think that's important too, is like understanding that food manipulation for hold. Like we don't have to constantly feed someone carbohydrates, right? Like we just need to keep them ticking. Right. Um, and yeah. It, and it could be the opposite. Like I have one guy I'm prepping right now who it's like his fasted look almost like tells me the timeline is different compared to like three meals in. And it's like, he's like seven and a half weeks out right now. And I'm already having his check-ins be like morning and midday or morning and afternoon picks because it's like food and water. He's like, okay, you're three weeks out. And then in the morning, it's like, Ooh, this is, this is not a good situation. It's like a drastic difference. And it's just like that flatness, right? He's, he's like seven weeks out eating like 380 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's interesting. Cause like, um, with that, like the picks midday or even post gym, like people could look leaner in a different lighting too. So you have to like kind of tease that out. Um, try to keep the lighting. as Yeah. Yeah. Cause like everyone's like, Oh, John, if you saw me in the gym, man, like I look so much better than my morning picks. I was like, yeah, don't we fucking all like it's, <laughs> we have like lighting from the heavens shining down to highlight all the details. And, um, you hear like food in pumped up, like that veins out, like, well, hell yeah. Most of us look better. Take a picture. Like, this is what I really look like coach. Like, do you want me to prep you off these picks or when you look at your worst? Um, but comparative yeah. wise, like for what we need, 
as coaches, uh, consistency is is key in the look. Um, so having like the consistent lighting and uh, place of those pictures is is pretty pretty ideal. Yeah, for sure. Because like maybe having that person like like he comes home and takes those post post workout pictures. So that, oh, okay. So that it's consistent in the. Sometimes he takes them at the gym, but like I've been following his gym pictures along the same pace too because I started this like 15 weeks out just because I was already starting to see like morning to afternoon differences. And most of the time he takes them at home, but like sometimes it's at the gym. Um, it's pretty easy to track, but like, yeah, that down lighting in front of the mirror that Jim's put so that you yeah. just look like absolutely insane. And it's but you, like, you know it like as a coach, like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, like the lighting well. tricks. <laughs> okay. So it's like, okay, they have overhead lighting. Like they're going to look, look harder than, than what, what they really are you know, right now. Um, I, th I think another thing about before going into peak week and I was, you all probably maybe already seen the webinar that was going to come out was um, assessing if it is like fat or water truly, yeah. you know, um, and how much are you accepting in that? Uh, Cause I've had people that are retaining some water and that's okay. You know, I think that is, a, that is okay. We don't need to be chasing like dropping water weeks out from a show it's just part of that assessment process of hey there's water present we should be more asking like if that's a side effect of why because fatigue is there should we always be trying to manage fatigue on prep yes i, I absolutely think so the, the fullest that we can but we also have to accept that some fatigue has to be there when you're on low calorie low body fat and you're pushing for the last bit of fat loss we're not going to be able to remove all fatigue and you look your best at all times. There's going to be stages where your client is going to accumulate a little bit of a water film. And you just have to realize that it is there if you're making those assessment calls. And th those are when you should be going through your questions with them. If you're seeing a lot of that, like how, how was sleep the day prior was meal timing the same, you know, were uh, fluids off or any way, was it a more stressful day? Yeah. And to see like, all right, let's go through our recovery checkboxes and make sure you are ticking off all those, all those marks. And then also making sure that fatigue isn't to a level where it's diminishing what we can bring onto stage. And I think that's when it's a point on prep where you need to like do some, some bigger fatigue management strategies. If you have so much fatigue and that they're driven so far mentally and physically in the ground that they're no longer to put the same effort level into their prep. And so now you're hindering fat loss. I think that's an issue. Or even if, like we know, like it from, from the, the research, like if sleep is that far diminished, you, um, the, in those studies where they have sleep deprivation, like they lose less fat mass and more muscle mass. It's like, well, is that a, uh, what we're looking for to bring someone to stage? Like, fuck no. Like we want to hold, uphold um, muscle mass as much as we can and, fat, and decrease fat mass. So it's like, well, okay, we need to like manage fatigue. Uh, training performance that's the biggest thing that we have for like holding tissue and prep it's not you know what's it taking enough anabar or something it's upholding your training and so if we have fatigue so high that training's just running into the ground it's like okay now it's time to do something about it yep. water might be a side effect that's there but we have to go back and say like well why is it there and should we be managing fatigue at x weeks out yeah i think the issue is like it kind of blurs your assessment Right. Like, is this per that's, that's part of the issue is like, is this person 
uh, is the fat off or, or, or are they soft? And I think going through those questions I just mentioned can kind of pull some of that out. Like, okay, this is water. Why well, I know they're still in deficit. They didn't have a cheat meal, or, you know? Uh, and so you'll have moments of like, all right, let's push them and then we'll drop off fatigue and then we can get a clear picture of where they're at once we wash that off and then, yeah. and then go from there. And I think, I think one important thing to tease out is like to understand that no matter what your prep process look like, fatigue is going to be there. Yeah. And, and to not, and excuse my French, but not let fatigue make a bitch of you. Like it's important to communicate what all the variables are doing, but understand that you're gonna, you're gonna feel that right. Like coming in and, it's, it's all about the communication process and having those variables tracked, right? Because that will tell your coach or us, whoever, like what is actually going on, right? And so it's not that you, you know, don't want to communicate like that, those issues, but it's hard to differentiate sometimes with clientele, like how objective they're being on like how fatigued they are. Yeah. And those objective tracking, that objective variable tracking is what gives us that deciphering tool of the feedback you're giving and then just working with someone over a long period of time you know how they communicate to um which is important um kind of going into that peak week which i think is kind of where we need to kind of get into next is i know a lot of the questions are around like food and water and sodium manipulations but a lot of the questions i get to are training based like yeah how do i pull back training do i pull back training when do i pull back training um, and maybe just walking through the days leading into the show, like what that's going to look like for you might be smart leading into Indy. Um, just to kind of set that framework of an example of what that looks like. And then maybe we start to touch on like the food, water, sodium part. Yeah. So going, going into Indy, um, as far as like, like right outside the seven days out, I, I don't really have much difference in, in training there. I don't, there's not a reason to make vast changes in your training. It, if what's been working is what you want to, would want to stay consistent with, consistent with your same training split. Things that I, I do auto-regulate throughout the days, um, sometimes are exercise choice, sometimes. Um, just as like body weight hits some lows, there's some movements that I feel so unstable in that I just have to move just to a, a more stable position. So um, example, it typically is like a, like a back squat going to a hack squat. That's the, usually not the, I'm not back squatting anymore, but um, you know, one that I ran into was an RDL. I had been doing RDLs for a while and it was, uh, I think two leg sessions ago. Uh, it, it just, it, it's such a taxing movement technical wise and to keep a lot of core stability that I end up moving over to like a hack squat. Good morning. It's much more stable in position. I can focus, um, and I think it's just a safety standpoint. But I can still give an, an awesome stimulus. the The issue to it was like, well, it's kind of novel, isn't it? It's like, man, you're doing a very similar movement pattern. I don't think it's novel enough to where you're going to generate a lot of localized fatigue. Like if if I had never done a hip hinge, and now I'm doing a hip hinge, you know, a few weeks out, because that could limit the, the next day's level of fatigue of doing cardio or training. But um, those are some of the changes I've made just moving closer to peak week as I need to. Um, also, there's been some volume manipulation. So I want to make sure I can uphold train performance within a set first. That is probably like a high quality set. And so I don't want a bunch of shit sets. Um, so if I see my like performance is starting to decline, 
I know I can do less volume and, and that won't impede recovery as much, but I'll be able to uphold my quality of set stimulus. And I think that's what's really important is people start doing, some people do more sets or they'll just do more shitty work because like, oh man, I couldn't put as much into that shed my, or my load dropped and I had, I'll just do another set of it. Um, I think just reducing um, the number of sets has, has helped. So I'm, right now, like my leg volume is down to like low, low baseline. Like yesterday's training, I did three sets of leg curl, two sets on leg press, one set on the, a pendulum squat. And then I did two sets of like glute kickback machine. <laughs> um, so it, it's, uh, but the intent was there, like the effort level, I kept it high, which I'm not, at this point, I'm not taking it like leaving my soul on the floor. Like I'll go to probably like still an RIR of one. It's there, you know, like I, I'm just not going for the reps that I know that are going to bury me. <clears throat> and there was a few exercises where I will drop load off because you know, coming down, I was 223 when I started prep. I'm, I was 206 today. Uh, strength, it's, you're going to have some loss. It's going to be there. Just even mechanics will, will change slightly. So it's okay to reduce load. I think especially from a safety standpoint, like if you need to move, like if, if you're seeing your reps drop down, you're like, okay, I'm going to do a set of six now. It's like, man, the, I think the risk is, is too high for being so close to a show. Yeah. Just allow the reps to, to come up. But Anyway, my, my split has been um, push, pull. I have like this kind of delt arm calf day, then a leg day, an off day. And so yesterday was nine days out. I hit legs. Um, I have my off day today. That's eight days out. And tomorrow will be seven days out. So I, I'm going to run my, my same split. <laughs> I'm not going to change much. Um, but going into peak week, the, the exercise will stay the same. I'm still going to manage my number of sets I do. Likely I might just regulate the effort level slightly, especially on that last leg day, because I will be about four days out when I hit my last leg session. I, I, might, I might smooth it back because this, this, this leg session wasn't that taxing. So I might run like um, pull push legs to where I hit that a little sooner and keep that leg session just um, the higher reps like I've done and the RR backed off. So I don't generate fatigue. Then I might do a delt arm day. Then, then my last training session, it will be like a Thursday, two days out and that will be different. And I will be more like, I like doing kind of a full body, um, two sets per muscle group, uh, 12 to 15 reps. It's, it's more so just to expend some glycogen and, and improve uptake and, uh, nothing that's going to be causing like muscle damage and, and soreness. And that's typically how I'll run it. So my last week will probably be uh, pull, push, legs, delt arms, then like this upper body day. Friday would it will be off from the show. So there won't be too too much vastly changed going into India. I think keeping it fairly consistent. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand is like there is some minor manipulation, but for the most part, it's pretty consistent. Just to touch on like the, the, the change in exercise thing, like people... <clears throat> don't realize that change in circumference of weight can make a large difference in your capacity to brace. And then like on the novel stimulus side, like probably the fatigue you generate from trying to brace being 20 pounds down throughout that RDL pattern is going to be a lot more stimulating than the fact of moving to that different hip that is a little bit more externally braced. One thing that I'll do to combat this within prep is like at the start in the program, 
introduce like a rotary pattern, which is like um, maybe the one that's more taxing throughout that brace pattern. And then the opposite week is like the one that's a little bit pulled back. And so I can lean into that one that they've already been doing throughout the whole prep more and just remove it. The, remove okay. the other that's, that's smart. So you'll have like an AB rotation. Maybe it's only, only for that exercise then not the whole. Yeah. Whole so it's not the whole session. It's only for that exercise. So like, let's say a client squat pattern for that leg day is like, um, uh, a safety bar squat or a Smith squat. Right. And then it's like a machine based squat pattern, whether it be like a, a hack squat or, or something along those lines. Um, something where m maybe having that brace capacity can be limited. I can pull back on the rep range and the load capacity, and I can also eliminate the need for that stability pattern. Right. And so I can just pull the one that's more taxing and move to that the last few weeks because they've already been doing it. So I'm not introducing a novel stimulus. Um, and then the rest of the session is the same. And uh, one thing I, I do tend to like going into like peak week for a lot of clients is um, keeping the days pretty consistent. And so like sometimes the split will just land to where you might have an off day, like three days out. And it's like, uh, I don't really like to do that. Um, what I really do is take their full split, reduce the volume per session. So for one, fatigue's gonna be really low because they'll have a short training session uh, and just move that volume to that other day that might be an off day. So they can still keep, we can keep the diet pretty consistent. They're training every day. It's like this routine is just built in place. And so I've had that where like, maybe they're doing push pull legs and I could just pull all like side delt and arm work off and like throw it onto a day and they can go train and do it that way. So they're not changing the split that, that much. Yeah. I did that last time, last time I competed. Yeah. Situation, like my rest day fell on Wednesday before the show. And instead we just did like a little arm and delt work beforehand that Wednesday. And then Thursday was just the full body up. Front. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. We pulled all the arm volume from push and pull and then moved that into the Wednesday before the show. Because that, I think that routine is very important. Yeah, it's, I think it's not a, it's like the session duration is what can get really fatiguing, I, I think, on prep. And that's a lot of the management. Like, I know, like, we're, we make set reductions. And, of course, that drops your, your session back. But if you have, like, you know, you get on prep and you're like, oh, man, I got, like, three exercises left. And I just, I'm already gassed. It's like, does it make sense? Like, that quality is still going to be there. Maybe we should just move that to a, another day and you can make that another training day um yeah. and, and you know that's that's an option i've seen some guys that will drop the whole split back to like upper lower from like push pull legs i don't like doing that i think that's a that's a big change i understand it like it's a huge volume reduction but i think it's more than what you would really need like like i like sometimes just taking one set off is is enough you know, but changing a whole split to where you have like an extra off day and a big reduction volume. Like I, I think for most, that's a, that's a big overkill. It's like, it's like the opposite in off season of like going from upper lower to push pull legs. It's like fucking dropping the hammer on like, like a huge volume increase or a huge volume reduction when you, you just need to pull off a little bits at a time. And it, it makes this on one certain session. It's not even throughout your whole week. So changing your whole split just might not even, makes sense um that, that's the training piece i think car, i mean cardio should be weighed in as well yep. and 
a, a lot of this I do kind of gauge with the client, like because uh, we talked about fatigue and water. Well, during peak week is is really we're trying to almost run this deload and drop off fatigue, so you don't have any of that this water retention that could be cortisol and aldosterone driven, and so part of this is like cardio, right? And so I think it's asking those questions to the client. You have to weigh in their subjective answers. If they're, you know, they're, if there's someone that has a perception of what fatigue is much higher than it actually truly is. But for some people like right. the, the diet side might be more of the fatigue driven versus cardio side. For some people, cardio is really easy. I have a lot of females that actually like cardio and it's, it's not that big of an issue. Their legs aren't heavy. Um, and so you kind of have to weigh in, like, should you, how much should you taper down cardio versus maybe that's bringing up food? If you, what situations you run into with that? Loop? I think I run that as like the energy availability viewpoint and then understanding their psychological proclivity and then making the manipulation accordingly. So like you mentioned the example of the female that likes cardio, like, okay, so uh, from an inter energy availability viewpoint, like we're going to be keeping a lot of the deficit from an activity standpoint. Um, so I can make a little bit more changes on the food side to, to bring, start bringing them out of that fatigue state. Right. And then I can just manipulate the total energy availability as needed across the week to continue that process of fatigue drop, but not pushing them into like the spilling phase because like it, it, it is going to utilize the glucose. And a lot of times what you'll see, like the last time I had someone uh, last year that was like that. And it was like, you introduced, like I kept the cardio in, I introduced some food and it's like new low. It's like, okay, yeah. more food, cardio similar, new low. And it's like that entire peak week process, you just keep seeing new lows because the thing that stresses them out or is the hardest for them to manage on the food side is like starting to get relieved. And it's like, okay, like I can use energy balance or total energy availability as a tool to be like, okay, these are two variables that work together. Which one is going to create the biggest dividend for the person I'm working with? I think like in these lows and things of what you're trying to do on peak week, like how much to feed someone, how much do you reduce them? And it's when you, you need a moderate day by day. Uh, essentially, I'm trying to bring them to a maintenance level of energy yeah. intake and expenditure. Um, cause if they're gaining weight, well, they're, of course you have to weigh out if it, you know, water and et cetera, but if they're gaining a bunch of weight, you, you could easily gain, be gaining body fat that week. Um, and so like a lot of times we add in food or reduce cardio. Well, it's like, it, that's when you ask the question, like, is this water dropping? Okay. It's a tighter look. That doesn't mean necessarily that we didn't feed them enough. Like they're all of a sudden I'm having a spur of like fat loss. That's not happening. So you say, okay, this was a big drop in water. Um, you look tighter and hard, you're not flat. And so we might just keep something the same. Um, and so that, I think those are the things you need to be, to be weighing out, uh, small changes to be made and then you just kind of monitor that response. Um, but yeah, a lot of times I, I do on a little bit of both, but weighing in like what their, their psychological aspect is. If they like to stay moving and maybe they have an active job, we'll, we'll probably have to just be working more on, on the food side. So there, there's a, there's a component of like, Hey, you're losing weight cause you're dropping water. There's also a component of you, you could be losing because of this person is very adaptive in, in response. Cause we yep. have people are you add 500 calories in and they don't even gain weight. Yep. You know, they might lose weight 
and you have someone else you had five calories in, it's like, bam, like three pounds up, <laughs> you know, and they don't adapt at all. And these are, these are the people that are like, you can, you keep, you might be keeping their diet relatively the same, the whole prep, you know, you put them in a deficit, they just keep dropping. Um, you have other people that start like even yourself, um, maybe you're like 5,000 calories. You end up finally on like at the ship, like week, one week out, you're like, 2,000, 1,500 calories, like, what the hell? It's like, yeah, yeah man, you're just super adaptive, and you, it'll go both ways when you gain or cut, but you have other people that aren't the same. So peak week, it's like, whoa, man, I'm, like, totally speeding up. It's like, well, th yeah, there's some adaptive component. You're also, you know, we're having fatigue dropping, water's dropping off. But, yeah, for this week, we're just – we're going to watch them daily, assess if – is this a water drop? Are they tight? Are they flat? And then the next day, it's like, okay, let's pull back a little bit more cardio. For me, a lot of times, it's like 10 minutes of, like, if it's a moderate intensity cardio doing, I'll do 10 minutes. Um, or it might be, if, the, if I'm doing step count, that might be like a 2,000 step count reduction, which is about a mile, which for, like, for myself is around 110 calories. For, like, a small individual, that might be 70 calories, which that could be a, a pretty substantial amount for, like, a small bikini competitor, you know, 70 calories. Um, at that point, if they're eating a thousand, um, that could be enough to bring them to maintenance actually. So just small adjustments and watch them daily, um, or the, the food additions, you know, it's, it's, it's enough to be like a, maybe an initial five to 10% increase in calories, then monitor them. And then from there, it might just be like 5% increases in, in food. Mainly, I mainly go carbohydrate based from there. Yeah. Um, okay right around that three and a half to five and a half percent change on the food. Um, probably most of the time. Yeah. And like put it, putting like data to that, like if you're on 2000 calories, uh, a 10% increase is a 200 calorie increase. Um, so you're, you know, you're looking at like 50 grams of carbohydrates. That's, yeah. that's a good amount. 5%, you know, that a 25 gram increase in carbohydrates doesn't sound like a lot, but at that stage, it, it does go a long way. For me, for Indy, um, that's what I first started doing because I was ready like pretty much three weeks out for the show. And uh, I started with like a 25 gram carb increase and kind of rode that for a few days. And then I had, I would keep dropping like, oh shit, okay. So this is after like two, three days of that. Well, let me add in another 25 grams and then I keep dropping. Then I have a big drop like, whoa. <laughs> then I'll do like a 50 gram carb increase. Um, and, and same thing, keep going. And what I do notice too is like, as you add in food, you have to consider like people's uh, psychology will change slightly as far as their, their, their ability to put effort into everything they do. Like their neat, their training effort like could, could increase. And so overall they might have a little bit larger increase in energy expenditure. So a lot of times it's not like they're speeding up. It's like they're speeding up their movements or their activity or their effort level. And so there's a, there, there's no magic here. That's what I want to say. But, um, but like for this, uh, I hit a low, um, 10 days out, dropped down to like 205. I'm like, holy shit. It was a Delta arm day. I had added 50 grams of carbs in that day too. And then, and that's, I woke up on my leg day at, at 205. I'm like, oh shit. So I added a hundred grams of carbs in on leg day. And that finally brought body weight up. It was 205.8 today so i'll have days like that i have this data as i've been eating into the show of like you know on leg days I, i'll do this much of an increase to be close to maintenance and fewer training then my other days will be more constant um 
so that's that's how I've been kind of adding in food, at least going into Indy. And I haven't messed much on the cardio side because I only do steps. So 12,000 steps a day is like so fucking easy. It's, and it's just, it doesn't fatigue my legs until it did. <laughs> and, and like I had some days that like post, post leg day and I'm surrounding it. So I'll pull down steps some. Um, my steps now are like 9,000. So it was like a 3,000 step decline. And that's been managing leg fatigue really well. So it's like, all right, I don't need to mess on the, on the cardio step side anymore. I'm just manipulating food. And it's kind of nice to have less variables to manipulate also going into the show because I can be more predictive with the two. So let's, let's make a comment on that real quick. So a lot of these people listening or, or coaches running preps are not only going to be using steps or treadmill as their cardio implement. And so that cardio implement change is a way to drop fatigue moving into that peak week, right? Like pulling stair masters or pulling bike sessions or pulling whatever implement they're using that may be slightly more fatiguing than just incline treadmill walking or just doing steps in general. And so then like you have to ask that question like, okay, what is the possible caloric difference of the activities between so that you have that consideration and then the change in implement. Um, instead of just looking at the time variable because i know it's easy to look at the time variable and that's a good way to look at it if or the step count variable if it's the consistent cardio usage yeah but if the implement changes then we have to consider the fact that the output changes as well yeah definitely like 10 minutes on the stairmaster is not the same as 10 minutes on the treadmill right or 10 minutes walking outside right and uh so i've even had i've had some clients and it's challenging that they're like, hey, some days I have access to this equipment. Some days I don't. It's like, okay, well, if you have this, you do this much time. Um, if you have this other way that I know expends more, you need to do this much time. Usually it's, it's a pretty big discrepancy. It's like the, I have the Stairmaster or I have a treadmill. It's like, okay, well, you're going to need to do like another almost double the time on the treadmill, depending, you know, just depending. But um, so it just, yeah, in general for this peak week going in, you know, just to recap on those things, training's relatively constant. There is some volume reductions, effort level reductions. Um, cardio will be tapered based on the individual's need for fatigue mm-hmm. management and the psychology aspect. And then we're going day by day with food increases based off of trying to keep them close to a maintenance level and assessing that maintenance level if it's a, a water drops, um, glycogen fullness, and, and then trying to make sure they're achieved that's uh, that true maintenance and then monitoring where's the best look throughout that <clears throat> so for indy for indy my my approach has been eating into the show i don't because you could do a front load or back load of carbs like so i think that introduces a lot of variability in and it's a roll of dice if you haven't been practicing it on your reefy days yeah. um there's there's benefits to all of them and there's also cons to all of them <clears throat> if you've been able to drop off fatigue you know two weeks out from the show and and you're continually adding in food you're going to get a pretty good idea of of a maintenance level that you're at and and probably going to be at a spot where you're still hard and when you train you look really full and rock solid no one's going to be like full blown full usually without having some spillover um this has always been my preferred method is is being get lean ahead of time and then eat into the show to, and achieve that maintenance and just walk out there. Like seriously, water's the same, food's the same. I just literally walk on stage. 
that's a, that's a luxury. And I feel like a lot of people don't get there because we don't set the timeline up from the beginning. Right. And we have to rush that loss to the very, very end. And usually it's your second show where people look better because they've, they set that up now. Now they can eat into the show and it's a much better refined look, less fatigue. And and, and, uh, sometimes people just don't drop off enough fatigue before the show. I've seen it. I've done it too. Um, So I think if you're going into your show and you still have fat to lose, probably I almost weigh in that it's the best and don't try to race fat loss off for three more days. Um, it'd be probably better just to drop off fatigue and go ahead and run like your normal peak week process um, and, and lose any water that you might have. I think that will improve your look. And also you'll have that consistent diet that you nailed throughout the week to walk on the stage and not try to be like, all right, now we're the last day. We're going to carb backload and uh, then go back to this other low fat diet. And then you, then they maybe drop a bunch of water weight from fatigue dropping or they don't. Um, I think if, if you can still plan this a little bit earlier, that would be the the better process to do. Um, yeah. And it versus, keeps those more consistent. Yeah. Too. You can gauge response a lot better. Like you walk through that thought process with the 50 gram ad and the 100 gram ad, according to the day that you're training, plus the response on the weight on the day to day. It's like you make such more objective decision making because you had those variables consistent and you're maintaining that look moving in, right? And then now you can make that decision on a day-to-day basis based on what happened to the response the day before. Even coaching myself, it's it's made it a, a better psychologically because I can monitor this response daily moving in. And so like, all right, it's like on my off day, I'll know how my look changes. And so it's like, well, one day out is going to be an off day. So I kind of have a gauge on what that diet should look like um, and then and even the carb amounts. And so it makes it a lot, it's a lot, of, a huge stress let off when you're like, okay, it's peak week now. I don't know. We'll just see how it goes day by day. I, I might do this carb backload. How many carbs should I have today? We, I've had these discussions with other coaches, like how many carbs should I give this person today? Or what should I, how much fluid should I um, add in or, or remove? It's like, if you're asking this in your one day out, like this is problematic, I think, because you're, you're guessing. And we don't want to be guessing when someone's worked so hard all the way to the end. Like they should look pretty damn close to ready. And, and I think the last minute manipulations are what we, 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 we shouldn't really be doing. Now there's situations where that might take place, but I feel like those are really the anomalies in areas. And, uh, the, 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 you know, I, I do have people ask about like high level of androgen use and, um, yeah. manipulating that because, the uh, androgens, for one, um, you might have some estrogen that you have to manage, but this is something that, that needs to be done weeks out because a lot of your, your compounds, the esters, links that you have in place will need to be adjusted long before you're into peak week. Um, yeah. A lot of the time, what I think what is driving up water retention with higher androgens, because you look at like, well, what about these bigger bodybuilders? that have to have this requirement to hold this size. And uh, a lot of it's aldosterone driven by compounds. And they, they, they all do it. There's not like a safe compound. Like you, if you take enough primobolin, you will retain water. Um, there was a, oh, was it 80, 1984 study using primobolin in advanced breast cancer patients and females using 1200 milligrams of primobolin. 
and I think it was like 25 patients, um, like eight of them, one of the side effects was edema. And they're taking 1200 milligrams of pre-enrolling and, and compare it to 300 milligrams of testosterone propionate. And uh, now that's a super crazy dosage. But what I'm yeah. saying is, is that there, that it will still drive up uh, water retention, even DHT, pure DHT, like you take provirone and enough of it at super physiological dosage increases um, water retention. Yep. And uh, this is, this is independent of even androgen receptor response and, and even the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. So they, they all do it across the board if, you, if your dosage is high enough. Um, so I think things to consider within that is the last weeks of show, if you're ready ahead and you're skinned out and you do have some water retention, adjusting your stack design uh, for, to manage estrogen for one, but also to manage aldosterone. So we have, and I'm not going to get into specific compounds, go to J3 University. I will dive deep into that and explain it all for you. But um, there are compounds that do cater more to rising aldosterone levels. An example would be Nangelone is, is, is one. Uh, we can transition away from those to other compounds. Um, also, I think you can taper down your androgens. And I, people don't do this, but um, the, the, you don't need much to retain tissue anymore, especially if you're ready ahead and now you're adding food in. Like food by far is gonna drive training performance, I think way higher than adding in another 300 milligrams a week of X drug. And I've seen it just because when I add food in, performance like all of a sudden blasted up. When, when, I, when I add in like oxandrolone, like three weeks out, it's like, eh, I got a little bit of boost, but nothing like when I added food in. I was like skin exploding pumps and trains driving way up. It's like, well, if that's driving my performance and muscle retention, do you need to keep adding in drugs your last week of the show? Like, how does that make any sense? It's like, well, I need to get hard. What do you mean you need to get hard? It's like, well, they're hardeners. Why are they hardeners? Oh, because they're going to lower cortisol? Well, that's not the best way to lower cortisol. That's fatigue management. Oh, it's the best way to manage estrogen. Well, well no, probably manipulating your, your stack design. And likely most of these guys, they're already taking drugs that aren't aromatizing anyway, right? Usually you're adding in, they have like a bunch of aromatase inhibitors in place. They've already added trimbalone. Maybe they've already removed testosterone. Uh, so it's like, well, no, you're not offsetting estrogen to androgen ratios anymore. It's like, well, they're going to dry you up. Bullshit. They're not going to dry you up because I know at any super physiological dose, every single compound can drive water retention. So my question would be like, I think you could taper down your, your compounds going into the show as food is rising. And that would be the best thing you could do to manage that watery film that some of these guys have that's driven up by the whole renin, angiotensin, aldosterone system. Yeah. And, uh, Go ahead. Sorry, I guess that's, that's my ranting. Like, I'm just fucking ranting, I feel like, because it upsets me. Drugs upset me. Though, right? Because, <laughs> like, people think that compound addition leading into the show is the solution for everything. Like, it's the, it's the conversation of the hardener, like the hardening effects, right? Yeah. Like, how, how often do you see people, like, adding in all of these compounds, like, things come in eight weeks out, and then six weeks out, and then four weeks out, and then three weeks out, and then two weeks out orals, and then one week out, it's something else, right? And it's like, yeah, we should probably look at what else these androgens are going to be influencing outside of just the, the AR, right? And, and, and maybe looking at if we can gauge a response, it's better with manipulations of reduction. Because like you said, like performance is probably our main tissue 
uh, maintenance driver in food is going to drive that more than any addition of a drug on an acute level as anything else at that point, right? Yeah. And so those manipulations coming in should be. But I think one thing that may as a coach just psychologically like having that conversation with your client of explaining that logic so they understand why you're pulling drugs, especially if it's the first time a client's prepped with you because they're so used to this like add drug, add drug, add drug, add drug, add drug philosophy rather than pulling it into a taper into that peak week. And it's, it's important to, for them to understand that at the same time, the more buy-in that you create, the better the response is going to be, and the lower the stress, and the easier it is going to be to drop the fatigue as well. Yeah, I mean, you you would you would be dropping down like oxidative stress and inflammation in the body from using like these higher drug yep. compounds, which I think can give it a lot better look. And and by that point, if you are really really lean, you you shouldn't be having a lot of water outside the muscle because people say like, oh, I don't want to lose fullness. Um, and yeah, some of these compounds do drive up like you know, glycogen storage and creatine phosphate stores and give you like that fuller look. But you, you have to have a balance there and weigh that out because the guys that I know that come in super full that have like the extra five pounds of weight on, they're never super hard. Uh, they're not like some of the biggest guys out there um, usually are never nailing their look and it hurts them because they're trying to stay really full and maybe, maybe it is they're holding drugs or maybe they, they just haven't decided to want to push their body weight down more. Um, a lot of times I think they're leaving too much in to, to have that full look. Agreed. And uh, when, when you, you can make those manipulations and do there's these guys are so big that it, it won't even matter. You know, if you're not hard, it doesn't matter. Um, I think, uh, I think of Rami in this, not, I don't know what Rami does, you know, <laughs> only a few people do. Um, but he for sure has like sacrificed some body weight over the years, come down lower and he's still gigantic, but he's actually, he, he nailed his conditioning and it's just like really hard and he, it's such a better impressive look. And so when we come to stage, like that needs to be in the, in your priority, like being as hard as possible, it's okay to sacrifice that little extra fullness of what maybe what that drug's giving you because that fullness like more water in the muscle is going to be more water outside the muscle you need that fluid balance or you're going to die <laughs> like it's not just muscle it's everything like across like you know um nerves across the heart like you, all this has fluid balance so you have to have um all, all that in, in place but so that's this has been my thought process going into indy and by far, this has been the, the lowest total milligram drug load I've, I've ever run to a prep. And I'm by far the hardest I've ever been going in prep. And am I adding in all the hardeners? No, I have less than I've ever run before. Um, and and I, I think that it's been cool to be able to do it myself, not because of like how low can you get away with. Like, yeah, I have like I want to have a, a longevity in this. And if I can use less and get a great result, that's even better. I've been able to better manage all my variables, my training, my nutrition, my sleep to where I, I don't have to rely on anything ever. Um, but at the same time, I'm able to really draw out and pull out what is working and what's not. And I think what you had mentioned, Luke, is like for, for drug design, like you need to do it and have a rationale and be able to 
explain the things that you're doing and adding each compound. And these should be off of based around the client and individual's need. Not that at X weeks out, we add X compound because that's just what you're supposed to do. Why are you supposed to do it? Ask the wise. Why are you supposed to add provirone three weeks out or halo testing? Like why? Why do I need that right now? And, and, it, and if you start asking the whys, you might not have, have great explanations. If you don't, then that should be really bringing the question, do you need it for your physique to improve? And I think in the bodybuilding realm, it's easy for us to throw the kitchen sink on and uh, throw everything in the kitchen sink or the, the baby in the bathwater. I don't know the saying's good. <laughs> uh, just like with everything we do, like more cardio, you know, train harder, train with more sets. Uh, make sure you take every single drug because we don't want to miss one like um, application or, or leave something out there. So, but I think if, if you get down to it, um, you, you could really dial back the total androgen loads that people are using. Um, it really doesn't take much from what I've learned to hold tissue. And each compound, like you said, Luke, I think it's understanding mechanisms of action. Uh, all, the, all these compounds, they all do the same thing for the most part. They all work in these different mechanisms, whether it's the androgen receptor, some are working around the glucocorticoid receptor, or they have effects on aromatization or, or not converted to DH, et cetera, like all these different things, GH, IGF-1 axis, some more than others. And I think the some more than others is where you play each compound and you might be manipulating compounds, but big picture, they kind of do do the same. Um, but I think that's, it's important to for us to really start pulling apart. Why are we using these things and assessing the need for a client? Yeah. And I think all of this boils down to whether it's the drugs, the nutrition, the training is understanding what your largest influencers are. And no matter what the decisions being made, whether it's the implementation of the drug or the pooling of a drug or the implementation of training or nutrition or cardio or whatever, having a mechanistic understanding to explain what you're trying to influence and how that variable is going to influence that. And on the drug side, that's understanding mechanistically how all of these drugs work. On the nutrition and training side, it's understanding the psychological proclivity of the client and what's gonna create the largest change in whatever may be the rate limiter in that situation. And, and having that logical thought process of what's the largest influencer for that person tells you the decision that needs to be made, whether it be drugs, whether it be nutrition, whether it be training, whether it be cardio and whatever. And that's where the data collection and the understanding this stuff on a deeper level now guides the decision-making leading into the show. Yep, be beautifully said. I think that uh, probably wraps up some of this peak week conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think that's right. a cherry uh, There's a... Uh, with peak week, there's just so much to it that people make it way overcomplicated and no one, the understanding is not there of the basics. And so to understand something that's so multivariable and complicated, no, no one does. And if they try to explain it like they do, they're, I, they're just bullshitting or they're ignorant of what they really do know or naive, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me now going into indie, the basics have been set. I understand those basics and uh, I will be cruising into the show and, and I'll be bringing a look that I know that I can nail any day going into this peak week and uh, not roll the dice and, and mess it up. 
um, I actually want to present what I have. And, you know, I have these pics that I'm like, man, this is a crazy look. I want to show this on stage. And, and I, I, I'm going to try my best to do it. Um, you know, there's a, I've had some clients that stress a lot and even right before they walk on stage, they look great. And then they go back there and pump up. It's like they walk out. You're like, oh my gosh, what happened? It's like, oh, the stress response is crazy. But I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty even keel. I'm pretty chill. So I don't think my stress response will kick in because uh, um, when I finally go out to show, it's like a vacation. So I look forward to going out to Indy and just being able to chill away from home and, uh, and enjoy the process. But anyway, guys, I, I hope you all tune into the show. And uh, thank everyone always as support for, for Luke and I and what we do and trying to put out a real education that's transparent for you guys. So uh, if you'll please reach out to us on IG and we'll look forward to talking to you all next time. It's J3U podcast. Over and out.